Killian, how you doing today, my man? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Jake. Great to have you. You uh, have a ton to talk about. I mean, you cover so many different interesting things that, from my view, like working with the Aqua integration, you guys are combining different layers, I think is really interesting. You've made a really seamless experience that's easy to use, which I think is really nice. So I think we'll cover a lot of different topics. Um, and we'll kind of dance around and see where this goes. But first, you know, for people that don't know about you, uh, could you give us a little bit of background uh, of your background and like how'd you end up uh, building on Bitcoin? So my, my my story, how I got into Bitcoin in the first place indeed is, is a rather unusual one, uh, I guess, because I started working in Bitcoin before I got into Bitcoin. Um, so it was 2015, late 2015, back in China. Um, where I, I was in the automotive sector, like all Germans basically, right? So, and, um, ended up meeting, uh, Samsung, Samsung map, which who somehow convinced me, um, to show up in the BDC China offices a couple of days later and just, you know, check out what they're doing. And, uh, fast forward three days later, I was working for them and I was sitting there in BTC China offices or working on a mobile wallet and I had no clue what Bitcoin was or how things were functioning. And that's how I got into Bitcoin. So it was really Samson convincing me that this is a good idea. And, uh, it took me like, I would say, I don't know, a couple of months, six months, maybe half a year to, to really for Bitcoin to click on me. Um, but once I got it, I was like, wow and i'm sitting you know back then 2016 china was like the place to be uh, with regards to bitcoin we had a huge mining pool like like a third of the hash rate was with bdc china um on which i um also managed a little bit so i had the mobile wallet and did also a little bit of product management for the mining pool so i really had the chance to see things from the inside from the uh from the very very beginning which is which was great um and now fast forward 20 24, um, we, I, I got into the topic of atomic swaps on the way, I would say. So interim step, actually, um, the technology of atomic swaps excited me. Um, it was Charlie D, I think, who did the first cross-chain atomic swap between Litecoin and, and, and Bitcoin uh, back in the day, something like 2017. And somehow this just hooked me. It's like, okay, um, I'm working in an exchange, BDC China, but somehow this technology sounds to me like like you might need exchanges anymore in the future. And that's how it up and eventually bulls evolved, uh, as, as a product, um, was a hobby pro project. I would say, um, uh, it's already running since 2019. Many people might not know that it's actually, um, we're running one of the oldest and longest running and also one of the biggest lightning nodes on the network. Um, so it has quite a bit of a history, but it has been a hobby in maintenance mode project all these years. And we only really uh, took it on full time and converted it into something professional, even if a entity now and stuff, um, and in early 2023. So since a year, basically it's, it's for me personally, full time with other guys. And, uh, yeah, here we are. Um, cool. What did I miss? <laughs> I mean, you opened a can, like I take notes and I'll open, you know, worms, like can of worms as they go. But I'm actually cur I'm I'm curious because like I'm a I'm a class of 2021 Bitcoiner, so I came in you know this most recent cycle, um, so I'm, like I'm always trying to like check like uh, I there's so much I don't know about like old old culture, 
that I want to like who who's who's who was relevant back then is quiet on Twitter now like these kind of things. Uh, since you've been here since 2015, I'm curious, what do you think of of the current uh, like culture or like discourse? You know, ordinals has changed things. People are fighting about sandwiches. Like, what's your what's your view of like the Bitcoin culture now versus like you know when you got here? Um, honestly, it's it's it 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 sounds insane, but it's quieter now than it was back then. <laughs> so things were even more crazy back then. In a different way, totally different way. So, um, civil war, if that's a thing, uh, if the rings of all fear, um, Samson especially was in the middle of it all. Uh, he was one of the one of the toxic fighters on on Twitter. Um, eventually, mm-hmm. then uh, sacred activation, law forks. Um, was Roger Ware was relevant back then? Um, the uh, the quick cash fork was happening. Then slowly, also the Bitcoin. Satoshi's vision thing was happening. Um, there were back in China also. There was Bitcoin Gold was a was a bigger thing for a while. Um, yeah, uh, Litecoin was there. Like it's one of now it still exists, but Litecoin was much more present back then. So Charlie Lee as a person was was uh, was important. And his brother Bobby Lee was running BTC China, so we actually got to see Charlie a couple of times. You know, different people. Yeah, the old guard, I would say. Um, who else? Charlie Shrem. Um, I mm-hmm. got introduced to them. So were all people you you could actually easily meet um, back then. Um, let me think. What other names pop pop up? Um, yeah, that's 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 basically it. I mean, Coinbase started being relevant. Yeah, you saw that, but you, we we were a little bit in our China bubble. So um, exchange wise, the landscape was, was very very different. You had basically three the three biggest exchanges were. Uh, OK Coin, not OKX. OK Coin was it called back then. Um, Huobi and BTC China, and then there was the rest of the world. You know, it's like that's that's how the the hierarchy um, was back then. Um, I think I don't really remember. I even saw a CC as it was still an engineer or later on CTO at OK Coin back. You know, like Binance didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Binance only came up later. Um, yeah, that that was thing, but sacred activation was 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 basically in the fork, on uh, the Bitcoin cash fork. This, this was got this it. And, and so you're saying, so you think it was? I mean, I guess yeah. But with the software wars, like I, I imagine it was very contentious and heated. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, it's not as bad now, even with all the stuff we're doing, than than there. Like I close. I, I don't think so. No, um, Bitcoin is in a much stronger position now. Um, it's that the user base is just I don't know, ten x twenty. Nobody really knows, but like so much larger than what what it was back then. There are layers now. There's lightning now. There are more and more layers evolving. Um, so it's 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 a totally different different thing. So basically, if you want, you can ignore it. Let's say, yeah, right. So I personally, mm-hmm. for example, I pretty much ignore the ordinals inscription space because it's just inside it's not for me. Um, I don't hate it. I don't have any strong feelings against it. I don't launch my own money pool to do something against it or something like that. I just can ignore it. Back then it was not possible. Back then the fork was happening and you were actually not sure what is Bitcoin now, especially me being relatively, you know, uh, young in, in the Bitcoin space. I had maybe like a couple of months at BTC China at that point when it was happening. And then you're listening to Samson, to Bobby, what they think. And then suddenly Jeff Karsik is there pushing out a, uh, a big core release. And, okay, we're going to run this one now. But wait, 
great. And then you look at the parameters and they, they, they themselves were struggling to decide what an, ex an exchange had to decide what this was. I mean, what this was. Fork of bread. Uh, yeah, that was really, it was very exciting, but also, um, yeah, that's not, not the level of what we're seeing right now. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And it makes sense too. Like, I think one of the things I have to tell myself a lot is like, I don't have to comment on this thing. Like not everything needs my opinion. It just let, let uh, other plebs and people, you know, debate on Twitter and shit. And I can just go, you know, do investing or do my podcasting, whatever it is, or learn, learn Bitcoin script and Bitcoin will be just fine. It's going to, it's going to keep on chugging along block by block or all good. Um, so probably, probably some wisdom people need, myself included. I'm, I'm, you know, patient zero on that, but it's going to do what it's going to do. Um, interesting. Okay. I want, I want to start jumping into what you, what you're building. You mentioned a word that I want to make sure we grok really well, which is atomic swaps. Yeah. And I kind of know what it means, which is like the idea of atomicity is like a pass fail it happens or it doesn't. Um, yes. so you can, you can guarantee that your transaction will swap as intended or it's going to revert and you will have nothing lost. Um, that's it. That's my, that's my overview. Confirm or deny. Perfect. Uh, or, Perfect. or add it. <laughs> okay. Pass. Cool. Then, then, then with that, um, I'm not sure how you want to start, but this bolt is, it's an atomic non-custodial exchange and you, you're blending multiple layers, which I think is probably one of the more interesting things you guys are doing really well is you pretty seamlessly can go from L1 to liquid to lightning one UI and you don't really feel like you're twitching chains like you currently do like pegging into something uh, is a big friction point for a lot of, of like layer twos or side chains um, so yeah I guess the starting there like tell me tell me about like the the impetus for deciding to start building out bolts and how you guys started to like end up towards what it currently looks like with non-custodial exchange that is atomic yes um, let's maybe start maybe one step back. Um, your your uh, definition of atomic swaps or how you explain it is, is perfectly correct. Um, and I just want to add one little detail um, in contrast or what definitions of atomic swaps you find online and on many, many uh, you know pages like exchanges have their own glossaries and stuff like they've tried to explain things. What they explain wrong in almost all cases is they say it has to be cross-chain or it has to be um, on 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 different chains. That that's not true. An atomic swap is exactly what you said. You're basically um, uh, atomically exchanging two different assets. But they, it doesn't matter where they reside. It doesn't matter what the, the underlying technology is. They can be anywhere. The only thing that matters is um, if I send you A, you have with amount X, you have to send me B with amount Y, and that is guaranteed to happen. Both transactions execute or none of them executes. That's it. Um, so knowing that, that being said, um, we started with atomic swaps, uh, experimenting with atomic swaps pretty early on after Charlie D did his first. Um, so this was really a little bit of a trigger um, to experiment uh, with atomic swaps to solve an issue at hand that we had. So we were working on a lightning project. I don't have to go into detail what it was. So basically, we had people with a lightning node very, very early on in, um, in, in 2018. Um, we had basically folks that needed lightning channels or that had to get somewhere into the, the lightning node or had to change the balance of a lightning channel. Um, and it was, or still is, 
complicated, right? So first there was the channel opening, but then basically you will walk to the to the to the uh, to the balance that you have in a local site, and we we didn't know how to move it. So basically, we built bolts as a little add-on just to this other project that allowed us um, to move the lightning ballots to the other side and get the coins on chain back. Yeah. Um, also, then bolts later on we enhanced it a little bit. Uh, we had a service that is now deprecated. Actually, um, was a channel creation. So um, we wanted to get uh, folks to be able to get the channel directly from the bolts node, so they don't even have to go through the hoops to open a channel with the open channel command. Have funds in their lightning node wallet in there in order to do that all of that the deluxe is not need basically send coins to an address and you get a channel back with a predetermined amount of local land and uh, remote balance so that's how bolts basically started it was a helper for another project to function um the other project died bolts continued <laughs> and it's not the main thing happens quite often i guess um but, yeah. but that's how it started out and and the over the course of the years uh, I have to be honest, it was pretty dormant, just there, functioning, maintenance mode until um, early 2023. Um, and in 2023, what, what changed drastically is uh, the vision of Bulls, what Bulls wants to be. And Bulls, we want to be um, a bridge between different Bitcoin layers. So we want to use atomic swap technology um, to let people move Bitcoin from one layer to another. That is it. We could do so many more things. We could move to, you know, other tokens and assets, and we could, you know, make a casino out of it. And that, 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 that all be possible. We want to be laser focused on um, integrating Bitcoin layers only. That is that is basically the standpoint. So it is a it is really a, a more of a bridge. I think the technical term is usually if you're using bridge if you're moving between technical layers. Um, Less than an exchange. So that's that's basically a little bit of the history how we, how we started, and um, it turns out um, integrating new Bitcoin layers is actually it's 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 not trivial, right? So um, uh, integrating, for example, uh, Liquid, which we did uh, back in May, in addition to the Lightning to maintain swaps that we already had all these years, um, this was almost a almost a year of effort to to actually get it done. Um, we were just very fast in launch and launching it back in May when when the fee spiked. So we took the opportunity when when the mempool went to like five six hundred subs per people back in May. Um, we could launch liquid swaps, liquid to lightning swaps, um, but that was only possible because it was already like ninety five percent ready sitting there. Um, we just mm. you know, push it across the finish line. It was just a perfect launch story that we um, and that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the main addition we did um, in 2023 uh, to Bulls. Also, we have a new web app, which uh, makes everything much smoother, much nicer, much safer as well. Um, and what we launched uh, like last week is, is another major add-on, which is also in the works since many, many months. Probably don't see if it, if it launches, it's just there, right? Um, but was mon months of work, uh, we moved um, all swaps to uh, Taproot native swaps. So it uses uh, Taproot technology under the hood um, to execute atomic swaps, um, which makes it, in simple words, more efficient, more private, um, but also makes the swaps themselves more more reliable. And that is, for me, as a little bit of the guy looking at the that's a nice product. Um, it enables uh, something we call um, immediate refunds or immediate cooperative re uh, refunds. Yeah. 
Yeah. So swaps basically nothing's perfect, right? So a swap can fail. Um, and then I think you you said it in explanation. Um, you have to get your coins back somehow, and in certain scenarios you have to actively claim them, claim them back. <laughs> and so far, um, you you needed to wait for that. So the, the traditional atomic swap protocol actually has a wait time, a time lock included. So you would sit there for one day, best case, worst case, four days, um, waiting to be able to claim your coins back that are still stuck in this uh, swap. And with Taproot swaps, we could eliminate this this wait time. So if Bolts cooperates with the user, they can sign a keypad spent, that's how it's called, and then they can refund immediately. It's just such a nice UX improvement um, because if your swap already, you know, it went wrong, that's already bad enough, then having to sit there for a couple of days waiting until you can get your money back, this is for a lot of users, they can't understand this, right? So that they come from, we have a lot of users coming from exchanges now like users that have no idea about the technology there's no idea about the work so it's really difficult to explain to them we're not stealing your money we're not holding it back it is we cannot we cannot control it you actually have to wait it's part of the atomic swap technology so the taproot swap um upgrade was a huge ux bump so that now basically our swaps behave as you as you would expect them to be and so yeah got it okay um the, yeah, the bridge for every layer is a super fascinating, like, uh, base foundation to build from. So we'll definitely cover that more. I'm I'm curious though. I I've dabbled with submarine swaps a little bit. I tried to like grok what that idea is, which is like it's it's kind of like an atomic swap, but you pass a piece of information through some other medium, like a website or something, some kind of like image or something or a QR code, and that passes some other piece of data. Um, could be wrong partially on that but i'm curious like i guess the first question is like is a tunnel swap is it better than a submarine swap but was submarine swap kind of like relevant at the time because it was like a bleeding edge of the tech and now it most chains can be atomic and we can like deprecate submarine swaps or am i way off base on that um yeah no it's just it's it's a it's a it's a definition i think a submarine swap is nothing more so better or worse it's a subcategory of atomic swaps that's what it is right so you yeah. have uh, the more generic term is atomic swaps and subcategory uh, submarine swaps means there's lightning involved somehow the term i think was coined by either alice bosworth he was one of the first guys uh experimenting with it uh back in, in, in 2018 I think it was Alex Bosworth, he, he just came up, what was Lado, maybe he came up with the, the name. Um, so really subcategory, just meaning at least one, one. Uh, no, it actually defines like one part is chain, the other one is lightning, then it's called a submarine swap. But the underlying principle is exactly one-to-one the same than uh, a regular submarine swap between two two chains. Um, okay, so how it works... is... yeah. sorry, just, just want to make sure, is it, is for definitions is lightning the thing or is off chain the thing or does it really matter i, I would say lightning i've never okay. seen it the, the term being used in any other context if you say submarine swap you're both you're swapping in and out of lightning from some sort of chain maybe you could also swap from something that is not technically another chain and still call a submarine swap but it doesn't exist yet so nobody decided yet how to use the got it okay no that's yeah. that's super helpful um yeah then yeah, I'm like curious because like I've used some bridges and a lot of them will have an escrow kind of function, typically smart contract mediated in the middle. And so that's like, it's not fully atomic because you have to wait for that, you know, authorization to go through to complete the other half of the bridge. 
most bridges um how the, i think the ones you have in mind are um they actually are loaded with customer funds right so that's that's why all these hacks that we are seeing in the news of some sort of bridge and wormhole and i don't know what like most of it EVM chain ecosystems is happening is because customer funds are actually sitting in the chain. So the basic concept of works, you you transfer your, I don't know, ETH in there and they give you another token on the on the other chain. But it's actually your your, your coins are in there. That's that's not that's not the case with us at all. Um money goes in, money goes out. That's it. There's never money sitting around at bolts that could potentially be be stolen. Um Apart from our money <laughs> sitting there, but customer funds go in and they go out immediately in the pro in the process of um, Got it. So, so, so I guess yeah, that's that's what I'm wondering is why I'm trying to figure out initially why why is that a thing? Is it because they're doing different token swaps? Because atomic building something atomically and making these chains talk in this way seems exponentially better on all accounts. Um, more complicated. So is it is it a complexity issue where it's like you can build faster, go to market quicker if you do it that way, and just the trust assumptions are known-ish um, until you get hacked. But um, the tech exists to do this, like to go from chain to chain and to go from what token A to token B if you want to. It just it's you got to bang your head against the the wall more to build it correctly. Yeah, that does better. <laughs> <laughs> got it it's it is it is i mean the basic principles are easy to build um an hclc to uh, replicate the function of an hclc which is the core of an atomic swap um how it works is is, is easily possible via a, a, a contract on an evm chain but to do it securely and to have it really battle tested and make sure nothing can go wrong um that, that that's 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 the hard part, I guess. Yeah. Got it. That was that was actually my next question because like the the change you've you've chosen currently are like probably the most closest to Bitcoin, if you will. Um, Liquid L one and then Lightning has kind of been the darling of like Bitcoin developers for the past few years. So like, does complexity increase as you go to uh, EVM or a zk roll up thing or stacks or like is does it get harder the more they abstract the language or different the language um, as you're building? Um, I, I wouldn't say so. Um, I mean, uh, the advantage you have on 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 Bitcoin on you take let's call them you take O chains like Bitcoin and Liquid, very very similar. Liquid is a fork in the end. Um, is that you have the core functionality of atomic swaps already built in the HTLCs that just already there you can just use them. Whereas on an EVM chain, um, you need to write it yourself, but it's perfectly possible uh, to do so. And actually, we did. So um, I can reveal this is already halfway public, anyways, and that our next integration that we will be doing is with Rootstock. Um, so Rootstock is an EVM uh, sidechain of, of Bitcoin. And basically, what we had to do there is um, to replicate the functionality there in the smart contract. Um, it's done. It's possible. We're still. What what is you know time intensive is a security reviews. Um. Also, if one little thing changes, the contract has to change. So basically, upgradability of the contract. Um. You have to make sure that you can upgrade to new contracts if 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 there's need be. 
Um, so it's really um, building the infrastructure, building it out that there's no unforeseen situations uh, anymore. With, with Bitcoin, basically, you don't take care of any of that because it's just there. You just use it. Use a couple of opcodes. That's that's it. Right. So that's that's. Um, in the end, the code is even. It looks easier even on on, on the EVM side. Um, but to but to set it all up, uh, that you don't need. I don't know proxy contract pattern in order to upgrade the contract later um that's that's the tough part and also what what we were struggling with with rootstock and that is actually still not solved but the reason why we didn't launch yet is um you need rbtc to bitcoin on rootstock in order to swap into uh rootstock i was like okay that doesn't make sense for new users they want to go via lightning for in our case want to go via lightning in um, because they don't have RPTC yet, or we expect a lot of users um, to be new users that don't have any RPTC yet. So that was another problem we had to solve. You don't have the issue on, on Bitcoin. Uh, um, it's all solvable, it's all doable, but you need a lot of infrastructure around to, to make it happen. Yeah. Got it. Okay. That's, that's actually really cool to hear. Um, especially because like once you build that once, everyone's doing an EVM chain to try and like attract ETH devs. So it's like you build it once and you can quickly move to wherever gets traction next. Um, yes. And be, on, and be on all the relevant chains. So that's that's uh, super exciting. Cool. Curious about, um, I mean, Wallet, or not Wallet, Aqua made a splash recently. Uh, <laughs> nice work. <laughs> yeah, like that. And then, and... It was nice because, like, I I think pers- I have a thesis that wallets are a big friction point for people because they're so ecosystem dependent. Like, it's hard to find one that supports, you know, more than two or three networks at, at any given time. They kind of pick their thesis, and so, you know, X first is like ordinals and L one and stacks, and MetaMask will do Rootstock or whatever. And so, it's hard to find like a perfect one where your BTC can just float from every chain. You can like plug into a DeFi application. So Aqua is really nice to use because I like the abstraction of like the savings account, which is like slow ass L1 BTC and then layer two, which is abstracted. And that was, that was the first kind of like big step. I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's what the future will look like. You just float between chains and don't know if you're all liquid or lightning or rootstock because they all peg the same. It doesn't matter. Um, so I, I'm just curious about that integration especially because you guys are powering so much of the back end invisibly and making a lot of that functionality possible. Um, so I'm curious about, I'm curious about like that, that how they approached you guys and like, what's that process been of like integrating the wallet um, in parallel of how that wallet works? Um, well, the Samsung is behind Chain 3. Um, he knew that we launched liquid swaps. So basically, um, he had, he had his eyes on us, uh, I guess, anyways, from, from the beginning. He was just waiting to see if we were capable to run this in a production-grade manner. Um, seems like we convinced him. Um, that was basically all the functionality-wise. Um, it was all there. Um, so maybe that's one thing I, I should I should mention. So Bolt has an API. Um, that is not not not... There's nothing unusual for 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 a regular exchange. Every exchange has an API, um, but it has a non-authenticated API. You can swap non-custodial with, and that's that's something new, right? So basically, it's a, it's an API you don't have to and you shouldn't trust. An API you should treat as an enemy. 
versus in an exchange, you you know, you get the auth token, you and you you trust that the numbers they give you and everything is correct. That is exactly what we try to prevent with our API. Um so Agua was able to integrate with us because we have an API on and we are the only non-custodial swap service that has an API as as far as I know. Um maybe there's a new one by now, but I I don't think so. Um so the integration itself was is is always less smooth, even though we have API docs like everyone else. There's a lot of more work required on on the client side, like on Aqua. So Aqua actually has to do a lot of uh, crypto magic locally in order to verify responses. Or even sometimes we don't give the response, and that's that's something that's that's something really cool. We just I just had it today again, another integration. It's like, but why don't you just give me the value? It's like because you shouldn't trust it, right? So if I give you the value and I you know, give you a wrong value, for example, a wrong address, and you you let the user send money to that wrong address, then but poof, it might be gone, you know, you don't know. So you need to compute the address yourself. It's like, ah, okay, that makes sense. So that that's that's a lot of gotchas um, during the implementation process that um, developers are usually not used to. But the Aqua team was very, very professional. It was very quick, actually, and things worked out, out pretty well. But um, it is not something you do on in an afternoon. It's, it's a couple of you know, months of effort to uh, integrate the API in its entirety test it all proper, uh, properly, make all the, we have a, a, a separate, um, I think I called it don't trust verify doc in our API docs, where you do additional computation to double check is the lightning invoice with the correct amount of dusty, is the redeem scripts uh, really uh, what it's supposed to, where you use the redeem script to compute an address. And is it really this address? Um, I have to decode the lightning invoice myself locally to actually find out if the amount is correct. Uh, I shouldn't have this, this there's a lot of, Gotchas and and additional work to be uh, to be done. So the integration is it's work. It's basically you have a um, couple of weeks at least. Um, you're working together as a team in order to get the integration done. Got it. Um, I want to double click on the not. Yeah, you said non-authenticated, non-custodial API. Yeah. And you know, for the non-devs, you know, an API is this kind of like thing. It's like a a basic way you can query some kind of data. It's packaged in some kind of format, and then you can display it in some way. Um, and it sounds like you guys are doing something where is the wallet doing some of the validation? So it's kind of like client side, like what RGB is trying to do for all the things, which doing a very yeah. small subset of that. Um, so you get just enough data to to ask for something, and then enough on the client side to make sure that you know that atomic swap is going to happen. Um, but that sounds like a bit. I, th- I feel like you're underplaying this. It sounds like a big innovation. <laughs> um, so, well, it is more... largely a, a big pain in the ass uh, to to get to understand it and actually do it correctly. Um, but yeah, no, joking aside, um, I think I, I think it is a big innovation um, because it is the first time that you're actually um, you're, you're treating an API source as as the enemy ID best case, right? So you're basically, you're, you're constantly, constantly uh, uh, verifying. So client-side validation, yeah. So there's a lot of client-side validation involved. Um, there's probably even s- still stuff that we can, that we can improve that's not in our docs yet, what, what clients also should validate. Um, but basically every single data, piece of data they're getting from us, they need to double check. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things they need to compute by themselves. For example, on atomic swap, um, on a, you deeper technical level this how this atomicity is uh, works 
is basically always the client, Agua in the case, is generating uh, a secret. And uh, the secret is only exists only in, in the wallet, in the Aqua wallet for the duration uh, of the swap. And it needs to be safeguarded and the, uh, the client cannot release it to us uh, before, you know, uh, the client is able to claim uh, uh, the coins that belongs to them. Um, if there was something wrong and the secret got leaked somewhere, that'd be, that'd be pretty bad, right? So um, this is all stuff that the clients, they have to take care by, by themselves and to re release it in the correct moment. Um, compute the hash in the correct moment to make sure I'm even able to unlock the atomic swap in the end. Um, so that's, there, there's a lot, a lot of burden is on the client, on the, on the client side with, with, with a non-custodial API. Got it. Got it. Hmm. That's, that's super interesting. It sounds like, uh, like we really don't know, like the way a typical API work is you ask for something and you get something in response. So you say like, is the sky blue? And they'll go, no, it's green. And you go, well, it's, it's blue. So you're saying like, you can do something on your local device that can confirm, yeah, it's blue. And then you cryptographically do some magic, whether it's your account or your secret or whatever, it, the amounts match, and then everything is, is all good to go and you can proceed. Um, yeah, that's super interesting. It sounds like that should be a standard going forward for a lot of, you know, either DeFi or, or stuff like that. But if you're if you're blazing trails like you kind of have to get it from here out into the world or people are not going to like know what the heck's going on, right? Like there's an education yes. gap there. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, um, that, that's that's part of my mission and now to start educating uh, about, you know, a little bit of the, you know, the innovation or the the potential that the underlying technology has. Um, but in the in the last year, we were so laser focused on, on growth adoption, you know, like we, we need to increase volume. Um, also getting our numbers in order, accounting, you know, like we had so many things in focus. We're a very small team. So, um, but now, now this year, um, it's my personal vendetta to, to, to get the message out and explain to the world how, how Bowls works under the hood, um, in order, in order to, for people to grasp, right? So for example, we are going to, um, uh, Bitcoin plus plus organized by, by Nifty, um, quality, um, developer. Um, well, she's on the sabbatical now, but she's organizing these developer conferences. So we're going there, doing a workshop, and uh, starting to educate um, developers. Right. So if developers get it, it might end up in in other projects. If it ends up in other projects, people asking questions: How does it work? Why? Why is it? How is? How do you claim it's on custodial? And then they start. You know, that's a little bit our our strategy to to get it, get as many integrations done as as possible. Because not only it's good for us, but also it's you know it's. It sets a precedent. It's, it's getting things out there, and people, even the CEO of another, you know, project at some point will want to understand how it actually works. Yep, very nice. And uh, yeah, I'll also show. I'll, I'll be in. I'll be in the Austin BTC Plus Plus as well. I went last year, and it's probably the sing single highest uh, conference for like alpha that you can that you can go to. It's just like all the best builders are going to be there. Um, so get your ass to Austin if you can. And uh, I'll be looking forward to your to your workshop. Um, cool. Well, we we covered so much already. Uh, I only have a couple more questions. One I'm curious about is um, I've been thinking about so watching how Liquid and Lightning are kind of like playing nice, and part of it's because you guys have stacked away a bunch of complexity. But I'm wondering if there's a there's a lot of hubbub right now about Lightning not scaling, and L1 fees are going to kill it, and all these different things. 
Is there a world where L2s solve other L2s problems? Like Liquid could solve most of L2s lightning scaling problems or another L2, and they kind of become purpose-built for opening and closing channels and like managing state and these kind of things. Um, am I off base on that? Or is there, could that technically be built if people you know, built it the right way? Definitely. It was basically our launch story. So the blog post that I, I wrote for, for launching liquid swaps, that was basically the point of it saying, um, we did not liquid swaps for the purpose of liquid or doing anything or getting anyone on liquid. Uh, I was frankly new to so liquid back then as well. Now I know much more, but back then it was like, yeah, liquid exists. It's as functions. I don't know what we build it to solve, uh, an issue of lightning to help lightning to have to for node operators to be able to rebalance channels independent from the main chain mempool. So basically, no matter what the uh, fees on the main chain are, you should be non-custodially able um, to rebalance your channels and thus keep the Lightning Network uh, functioning. Because, um, I mean, let me tell you, we operate a very big node. We do thousands of payments every day. Um, you clearly notice um, the reliability of the Lightning Network is going down when main chain fees are high. Because um, at least for the less professional operators, they, they then just don't do any rebalancing. What they do is less frequent. So channels are more imbalanced um, and things are just working not that well, right? So it's, yeah. it's, it's noticeable. Yeah, It's not it's not a, something that the, the people make up in their heads. It's, it's a real world problem. So um, how we see people currently using uh, liquid swaps between Lightning and the liquid sidechain is basically they have uh, either already uh, liquid ready there that then they can go into Lightning or the other way around, which is very, very popular um, because you get inbound liquidity like that. That's how, that's how it's called when you send out Lightning. Um, that's a very important function for Lightning node operators. Um, they, they swap into liquid and then they hold with, uh, liquid for a while until they go back. Uh, to the main chain, like this, they circumvent totally the um, the main chain fees uh, issue. So there's no basically the main chain footprint should be as small as possible. That's that's the idea. So and ideally, you can time it when the fees are low. So that that is the entire of the idea of our liquid swaps, and that's how we launched. Right now, there honestly there are much more use cases now, many more use cases on people do things with liquid swaps that we have could never imagined that they, that they will do, but they came up with so much stuff. But the main thing is and always will be rebalancing channels uh, for Lightning. And I can also announce today that we will be launching a dedicated product for that. So we will be launching our daemon that is purpose-built for channel rebalancing of, of, of Lightning nodes. Right now, you can already do that. It's perfectly possible via the web app. You go to Bolts of Exchange and you punch in the amounts and you send from your Lightning node. Um, but we want to optimize that, right? So it should be automated, completely unattended, ideally, um, and it should be using Liquid. And that's what we're working on. Very cool. And you get like a bullhorn for like when an alpha drop just comes out. <laughs> yes. So do you, so do you think, uh, I'm curious then, because like there's a lot of talk about um, channel factories and LN symmetry and like opcode changes for the L1. Do you think that's, you should push for it because the more robust you can make the L1 for like L2s, the better. But it sounds like the L2s are actually way more suited to solve these problems um, when it comes to like rebalancing in mass that the L1 is going to always be like infinitely harder. So do you think that a lot of that effort is mis misguided and they should be building up a layer kind of like you guys are already doing? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, if you can improve things on the main chain, uh, you should do it. What I think is misguided right now, and I think Adam Adam Black also um, also something they said it basically. If you have a proposal how to change the main chain with uh, some covenants um, or code, um, why not try on Liquid first? Right. So that's a little bit the thing that I think is a little bit misguided folks are pushing directly to the main chain because, and the use cases are always, these are usually technical or researchers, the use cases they have, they're very, they're very technical, right? So it's, it's might not be in my personal opinion, um, the use case, the everyday lightning node runners, lightning wallet users, plaps that just, you know, pay stuff with their mobile lightning wallets, they, they will not, they are not directly benefit from that. Um, so why not build the use cases on another layer first, right? And once the use case is there, then you might also see, okay, actually this use case is that expensive or that, you know, if the chain footprint is that large, it will never work in the main chain, not in that fee environment. So that's 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 one danger I see. That I think no way not many are really looking at that. Um, but yeah, that being said, it's always good to improve the main chain. Uh, Covenants uh, are something that we are like really looking forward from both perspective to, to see on the main chain as well, because it enables a bunch of cool things. Honestly, I am not very well versed in the three custodian different proposals that are out there right now. How, which opcode is the best and how to, how to activate it? Honestly, I, I can't really tell tell you. Um, but some sort of covenant would be really really nice because um. We're actually using them on the, on the or we're about to use them. Was merged a couple of hours ago. Um, we are using covenants on the on the liquid sidechain to improve our swaps. Actually, um, so we could do the same with the matching swaps. That would be good, right? And it could be used for so much more. So we um we we see the use case for that. Is it a pressing thing for for everyday users? Uh, sure. Really yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. Like uh, seeing Arc build their, you know, proof of concept on Liquid is kind of a similar thing where it's like you might as well go, especially as Bitcoin matures, like the the burden should be higher and higher for an upgrade before you kind of cross the chasm. And so, you know, putting it on a functional L2, even though you might not love the trust assumptions, like, you know, spend the time, build it right, do it there, prove that it works or that it can get some early users. Um, the use case exactly proof that the use case works that the use case uh, is there because if the use case is there it doesn't matter if it's built on liquid or or, or on another on another side chain and if you can't prove that the use case is there you got to rethink even though it's a very nicely designed bit of the code so there and it's like okay if people don't want vaults for example or nobody's really doing vaults large scale um i don't know you know like you need to prove the use cases somehow that's that's where i'm from Yep. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, cool, man. Well, I got no other questions besides um, anything that I missed that we didn't discuss that you you want to, you know, discuss here? Yeah. Um, so the word that I wanted to get out in, in the end is basically non, non-custodial, self-custodial is, is the future. It's, it's the only way forward. I, I really don't see any alternative on um, there is regulation coming up on on both sides of the Atlantic, I think. Um, at least, yeah, some politicians proposed 
Um, and in Europe, uh, Mika is coming. Um, it's it's pretty bad regulation. I have to be honest. I'm 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 furious about it. I'm I'm pretty sad about it. And but you you gotta accept the reality. It's coming. I think it has to be um, enforced by member states until 2026. And it basically puts everyone in in the category of being a crypto asset service provider. And you need to you know KYC on chat analysis, AML, all that stuff. Um, so far, non-custody, uh, according to the interpretation of a couple of lawyers I spoke to, is still out. So it's still outside of that. But um, honestly, I'm even fairly sure that they will get that and they will, they will put it in. But then, the only way you are safe and that nobody can touch and confiscate and freeze your coins is you have custody. So um, this is this, this one red line that never can be crossed, um, in my opinion. Um, is offering a service that, that that is custodial from here on out. It will be. Uh, it, it's just, I I don't know even how to call it, but it, I, I couldn't sleep at night if I was running this service, and I couldn't sleep <laughs> at night if I was a user of the service. So yeah. bad things will happen. It's just set up for bad things to happen. If I may put it. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I, I will say, like, you know, talking to so many startup founders. Some of them are like, don't give a shit about regulation. They just like, we're going to send it and it's going to lay where it lays. But if you want to protect yourself, like the best way is, as you said, like build down custodial first. You could go to some, you know, obscure reg like regulatory environment and just hide your entity there. But like ultimately, if you don't cold funds, you're pretty much absolved of most of that responsibility. Um, I said I had no more questions, but because you said that, I have one more follow-up, which is that most people when they talk about non-custodial and user experience, there's a tension there of like building something easy to use and non-custodial is default hard. Thus, custodial will always gravitate to a certain subset of people because it just feels easier. And so I'm curious, like, do you have any pushback on that? Do you think the tools would get good enough that like that will become not relevant in the future? I mean, we're certainly trying. Um, so we are serving by now a surprisingly large amount of what we can tell. I mean, we don't do any tracking. We don't really know about the customer support interaction. We have that's that's where we really get in touch with users. Um, those are users they have no idea even what non-custodial or custodial is, right? So they just use our service because they want to go from A to B. It was recommended to them. Everyone says safe, so they use it. Um, they don't even know this non-custody thing is, is happening in the background. They don't know their website that they're loading in the browser is actually managing keys for them. It's actually managing the secret of the atomic swap and making sure bolts can't, can't take things that is not authorized. You know, um, we are getting there. I have to say, um, I'm pretty confident we can get to a level. It might actually vice versa. Now that you make me think about it, um, I think. Custodial services will be much more complicated in the future because of KYC, because of the freezing, because of all of that. So in order to get an account on a on a on a non on a on a custodial platform right now, I, I it's a process of you know selfie blah 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 all that stuff, and mm -hmm. it's not not even talking about the privacy implications any of that. Or the the time that I need and how complicated it is to even get my account op opened and operational. Is so much more complicated than going to Bolstead Exchange, type in a number, and say swap. Yeah, right. Um, that's a great that, that's a great bar. That's a great bar. If you're gonna pull out your driver's license, you're doing something wrong. Like if you want to if you want to mine Bitcoin, whether you f how you feel about Ocean is up to you. But 
look at how you use it. You just point your ASIC at this at this thing, and it's immediately tracking everything else you need to. There's nothing else it's doing. Like default three steps, and you're already mining. They don't know they don't got your picture, your address, all that stuff. So that's a pretty good barometer for like, is this built properly? It's does it ask me for any kind of KYC? If run. Yeah. So I think by now we we can safely assume the uh, UX for the end user will be better with Mantos Tutorial Services. Um, if you have a wallet, you might still need to somehow secure your 12 words, um, but that's as hard as it gets. Um, everything else will be will be easier, and for especially you won't you won't have problems down the line. And uh, I think this education slowly uh, ripples down and in, in, in the, in the with users and they they know. And they, they just know that there won't be any problems down the line, and that's that's what they will value. Yep, that makes that makes perfect sense. Uh, uh, I love that. Okay, well, man, I got nothing else to add. Um, super thankful for you coming on. We covered a ton. Super excited about what you guys are building and this new uh, daemon release to to manage channels. Um, anything you want to show or any kind of like links you want to call out? Uh, that's a good. We're show. searching for beta testers alpha testers for for the daemon um so if if you're interested in if you're basically a lightning node runner and uh you're doing channel rebalancing or you plan on doing channel rebalancing and you're thinking hmm, that could be automated because i'm always doing the same thing uh, i'd love for you to to join our beta and and uh, to test it out um basically go how can you get in there um go to both exchange there is a Discord button. Click on the Discord, and it will open our Discord. And there is a channel for the for the for the demon beta it's called Bolt's Client. I'd love to get some more folks to to join us and actually help us uh, improve it a bit. It's already functioning. It's safe. Um, it's just you know improving the UX. Um, that's what it is about. Perfect. All right, and I'll uh, I'll have links down below in the description for anybody want to make it easy on you. You don't gotta type in anything. I'll take you straight there. Uh, but man, Killian, thank you so much. It's been fantastic, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening this far into the episode. If you found it enjoyable, please do like, subscribe on whatever platform that you're listening on. YouTube does me a huge favor to like and subscribe. Find me on Twitter at JakeBlockchain. Show me some love. I replied to every DM. And... If you are a Bitcoin builder that is kind of at the forefront of building new use cases, whether it's L1, Lightning, Stacks, Rootstock, Rollups, Ordinals, BRC20, uh, I want to talk to you. So when I'm not doing this podcast, I am the sourcing partner at the Bitcoin Frontier Fund, where we invest in Bitcoin startups at the earliest stages, give you access to whatever you need, whether it's legal, product, fundraising help as well as capital. So let me talk to you. You can hit me up again. Find me on Twitter at Jake Blockchain and uh, shoot me a DM. I'll, I'll read everything. Love to talk to you guys. All right. Peace. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting now. Trying to figure out a way to make it out, make it out, cause I'm